What a week to move from uh, five days a week to three days a week because the last couple days, especially the last 24 hours, it's been busy. Uh, I got a whole lot of injury news for you. I've even got a little bit of uh, trade news for an August. Kind of busy with trades. A couple of, uh, uh, well, one trade and one waiver move, uh, both involving the Nationals. Uh, a whole lot of bullpen changes uh, that you need to be apprised of. And uh, in the last two days, uh, a whole bunch of rookie pitchers coming up and uh, making uh, some some making great starts, <laughs> some not so great, uh, but all of it uh, certainly impactful for fantasy. So uh, let's get right to it. Uh, as far as those Nationals moves, they uh, dealt Daniel Murphy to the Cubs on Tuesday. In exchange, they're getting middle infielder Andrew Monasterio and a player to be named later or cash considerations. So obviously a very crowded uh, roster situation with the Cubs. Of course, you got uh, Chris Bryant, uh, who's still out. You've got uh, Addison Russell. I don't know if he's going to be needing a DL stint, uh, but certainly he's uh, not been healthy of late. So um, it's not clear over the long term necessarily where uh, Daniel Murphy's going to fit in there. But I would certainly think... uh, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, it's second with Zobrist uh, moving over or uh, maybe uh, at third base. So, you know, time will tell. Uh, but I figure, you know, as Joe Madden is prone to do, that uh, he'll find places for uh, Daniel Murphy to play. Probably not every day, I would imagine, uh, which might be the best thing for him uh, health-wise. Uh, but uh, I don't know that he certainly loses playing time or value moving over to the Cubs. And then the other Cardinal, or I'm sorry, the other Nationals move did involve the Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals get back. Matt Adams uh, goes back to where it all started for him. Uh, Cardinals got him off of waivers. And so that uh, certainly clears up a little bit more playing time for Ryan Zimmerman back with the Nationals and uh, gives the uh, gives Cardinals a little bit uh, more of an option in terms of maybe uh, moving Matt Carpenter around and uh, maybe a little bit, uh, I don't know, I, I, probably not great for Jose Martinez, I would think. But uh, I, I think Adams, probably his uh, value probably stays, stays pretty level too. And that uh, I doubt he'd be an everyday player, but, uh, you know, fill in uh, and, uh, you know, certainly get more playing time if there uh, were more injuries there for the uh, for the Cardinals. Uh, and uh, like I said before, a lot of injury news, uh, not involving the Cardinals, but Jose Abreu had uh, surgery on his low, lower abdomen, and he is not going to be able to resume baseball activities for about two more weeks. So given that that's putting him into uh, a little bit, a little bit past the first of, uh, of September and that the, the White Sox aren't playing for anything. It would seem that there's some possibility that Abreu doesn't play at all again this year, or maybe doesn't come back till very, very late because there's certainly no reason to rush him back. So, uh, unfortunate occurrence there for Abreu, uh, and also not great for his fantasy owners. Uh, but you definitely need to uh, find a replacement. Uh, Justin Upton has been placed on the disabled list with a lacerated finger. He cut his finger on a wine glass and had to get stitches. So. I would imagine for him, it's probably going to be closer to a minimum stay on the DL. Uh, but Buster Posey, now I wrote a piece earlier in the week. I mean, I, the, the situation's not funny, but I, I wrote a piece on him uh, earlier in the week for Fantrax 
basically trying to make the argument that you could think about benching Buster Posey. Well, now you really have to think about whether or not you want to drop Buster Posey, particularly in some shallower leagues. Uh, he's been dealing with a hip injury for much of the season. He's going to have to have surgery, and when he has it, that's going to be the end of his season. It was actually reported that he might be in the Giants lineup for tonight. Uh, so I'm just taking a look to see when that uh, that Giants-Mets game starts. So that is, there's a, uh, quite a few day games, but that's a night game uh, at City Field, 7:10 Eastern. So I've not seen uh, a lineup yet for that game, but Posey might be in it. But I still think that dropping him is on the table in like 10 or 12 team leagues, particularly one catcher leagues, uh, because even if he hangs around for a while, I mean, he's not produced much in about two months. He hasn't hit a home run in about two months. Uh, he's getting on base. He's hitting for a decent average, but it's it's an empty OBP and an empty average. And at some point, uh, he's going to have the surgery, it sounds like. So uh, the, the question is, what do you do for a replacement? Because whether you know he has that surgery in the next few days or a few weeks down the line, whatever, you have to at least start thinking about uh, a replacement for Posey and, and probably taking action on that sooner rather than later. So I ran a Twitter poll asking, uh, and I, you know, we're limited to four options on the Twitter poll, uh, but I'm going to get to the, uh, the point that you probably could and should consider more than just these four options. Uh, but these were the four that were being added in a lot of leagues and, uh, you know, seem like viable options, available options in, say, a 12-team league, particularly with one catcher. So uh, I actually did two Twitter poll questions, uh, one for a points league and one for standard 5x5 five five roto. But the question was still the same. Which of the fine catchers would be your top choice to replace Buster Posey if he has surgery? And uh, so I'll go with the uh, points league first. Really, the, the results were practically identical, almost exactly identical. Uh, for the points league, T- Danny Jansen got 53%. Tucker Barnhart got 29%. Kevin Ploiecki, 10%. Matt Wieters, 8%. So the overwhelming choice is Danny Jansen. Also, in the one league where I've already made a move, there are two leagues where I own Posey. Uh, I'm waiting in one of them. And, and the one where I'm waiting is actually a deeper league. Um, so the options there are a little more limited, but in the 12 teamer where I own Posey, uh, Jansen is the catcher that I placed a, uh, a bid on already. And for Roto, again, almost exactly the same results. 53% for Jansen, 28% for Barnhart. That's the only real difference there. 10 for percent percent for Pulecki, 9% for Weeder. So kind of odd. Uh, that's the same numbers. And by the way, different numbers of votes in these two polls. So it's not just like people went from one to the other and, uh, you know, I had the exact same results. So that's very interesting that the uh, results for the two formats were were identical. Although all these catchers in this poll are pretty much, um, you know, they they have similar profiles. Uh, I I think uh, Jansen and Weeders are probably your best bets for power, but all of them, have pretty good plate discipline. I would argue, by the way, if Jansen's not available, I do think he's uh, probably your best possible choice. But Tucker Barnhart really should be hitting for a higher average and a a higher OBP uh, because his BABIP is uh, 
it's a bit low, uh, particularly for somebody who hits a lot of line drives. So uh, if Jansen's not available, I probably would agree with the, the folks in the poll that uh, Barnhart would be the, the next best option. That said, some people did write in votes, uh, and one person said Hundley's better than Weeders, and Weeders was the lowest vote getter. So I could have easily put Nick Hundley in there since he's going to get those at-bats from Posey at some point. Uh, yeah, he's a good option. I think particularly if you're more uh, home run minded in terms of what your needs are. Somebody put Wellington Castillo. That's a good one because uh, he may be available in a lot of leagues and he'll be coming back soon from his uh, PED suspension. Uh, Taylor Ward. That, you know, I, I intentionally left him out just because he's not catcher available in all formats. But yeah, I mean, he's right up there, I think, with Jansen. In fact, a couple people wrote in Ward. Uh, so, uh, you know, and, and Jan Gomes was somebody I considered putting in the poll. So there's a lot of replacement options and none of them, other than maybe with the exception of, of Jansen Ward, none of them are going to be as good as Buster Posey at his best, but I think all of them are probably going to be better than Buster Posey has been for the last two months. So your options do abound and you need to act on those pretty soon. And some other catcher news, Gary uh, Sanchez is scheduled to play uh, in a Gulf Coast League game this Thursday. So he's uh, working his way back and I would think would be back uh, with the Yankees within the next couple of weeks. Aaron Judge and some other Yankee news, and this is all, by the way, from MLB.com. Aaron Judge is still not uh, ready to swing a bat, so his timetable continues to get extended forward. Good news for CeCe Sabathia. He is now scheduled to start this Friday against the Orioles in Baltimore. And Clint Frazier is improving and, and has ramped up baseball activities. So all those from uh, Brian Hawk of, um, of MLB.com. Uh, Nelson Cruz has back spasms. He was out of the Mariners lineup on Tuesday. And I believe that there's an update on him. So I just need to... Uh, pull that up uh but uh you know Cruz obviously uh that's a big blow uh he is however in the Mariners lineup so uh obviously great news there and I'm just looking to see if I have anything else so yeah this actually uh I don't have any of the nighttime lineups but should you be listening to this podcast before Astros and Mariners playing in Seattle uh at 110 Pacific time uh Cruz is hitting cleanup uh, for the Mariners against Charlie Morton and the Astros. And while I've got these lineups in front of me, uh, we've got Yuli Gurriel at first base, Tyler White at DH. White is hitting cleanup. Gurriel uh, batting sixth uh, with Jose Altuve back for his uh, second game off of the DL. Uh, also, Tony Kemp in there batting ninth against the lefty Marco Gonzalez. A little surprised to see that. So um, still no George Springer. That's obviously uh, a big one to check in on. So still no George Springer, who's been dealing with a quad issue. Uh, so uh, anyhow, those are your Astros and Mariners lineup. Should you uh, need to know those uh, for this afternoon's game? So I did mention Jose Altuve. He was activated on Tuesday. In his first game back, he went 0 for 3 with a walk. Hugh Darvish has been diagnosed with a stress reaction on the tip of his elbow. Uh, according to Mark Gonzalez of the Chicago Tribune, he is out for the year. So um, I'm trying to remember, I think it was 
Yeah, it was Matt Medica on Monday's show, and we were talking about Darvish, and Matt was saying it would be cathartic for me to drop Darvish, and so I did finally drop Darvish on Tuesday morning, and then later on Tuesday, the announcement that he is out for the year. So maybe they were just waiting for me to drop him. I don't really think so. Tommy Pham has been diagnosed with a dislocated right ring finger uh, day-to-day for now, uh, but I don't know. Uh, I've not seen an update yet today uh, to indicate if he's going to need a, a DL stint or be out longer. Joey Vada, who's been on the DL with a leg contusion, says he's feeling better, according to the Cincinnati Inquirer, and he is aiming for a Sunday return, which would be the earliest possible return for him uh, for a minimum 10-day DL stay. Starling Marte did not start once again for the Pirates. He had a doctor's appointment, although there's been no report as to why Starling Marte needed to see the doctor. However, and I guess some mildly good news, he did come off the bench on Tuesday against the Braves, so he was well enough to play. And uh, Pirates and Braves looking to see that as a night game. That's a 7.05 Eastern start uh, Wednesday night. Tehran and Trevor Williams. So uh, probably not going to see before the end of the show whether or not uh, Marte is going to be in the starting lineup, but you should definitely check that out. Edward Encarnacion is uh, aiming to be activated from the DL uh, for his uh, hand injury this Thursday. So very, very soon. So should see uh, Encarnacion in there this weekend, according to MLB.com. According to the Detroit News, Michael Fulmer is going to start on Friday and throw up to 70 pitches. However, big asterisk here may not be with the Tigers. It may be with the Tigers, but it may be with the Mud Hens or someplace else. So uh, we'll, uh, you know, we'll certainly know that by Friday's show, what the deal is there. But uh, if you're in a daily lineup league and you owe Michael Fulmer, you may be able to use him uh, this Friday. Or maybe not. Mike Leake was scratched from his start on Tuesday against the Astros. So that wound up being a bullpen game for both teams. The, uh, the Astros were already going with Brad Peacock. Uh, and then Nick Vinson, on very short notice, had to uh, start for the Mariners. Leak dealing with an illness. And uh, it was um, for... Uh, for the, uh, the this is terrible this, uh, the, this is just the definition of a, of a journeyman and i'm now recalling the name ross detweiler did the bulk of the uh middle innings uh work for the the mariners and that one but that that says something about detweiler's recent career that or actually it says more just about my memory that took me a few seconds to recall uh recall the name but um yeah so uh, that detweiler was uh, summarily designated for assignment after that game so we don't need to look, uh, you know, look for Ross Detweiler in the plans. But then for the Astros, I'm going to talk about this in a bit uh, later on when I do a little bullpen roundup. Uh, Framber Valdez was just called up and wound up relieving the opener, Brad Peacock. So not a big start for Peacock, who wasn't stretched out. But interesting, uh, good, good performance from uh, Framber Valdez. But I'll, I'll get to more about that in uh, in a couple of minutes. The Phillies uh, earlier on Wednesday acquired Luis Avilan from the White Sox. So there's one less uh, pitcher to uh, be in that saves picture because it's almost the whole bullpen that's in that saves picture for the White Sox. And uh, in return, the White Sox get double uh, A uh, swingman uh, Felix Paulino. Uh, so yeah, let's get to those bullpens. Uh, Araldus Chapman 
Of course, he's been dealing with the knee tendonitis and dealing with it just fine up until lately. But then uh, in that extra innings game with the Marlins on Tuesday night, Chapman uh, walked one batter, uh, made one pitch to his second batter, and then uh, had to be pulled out of the game because of, of pain in that knee. So uh, I don't know yet if there's a DL stint in store for Raldis Chapman. Certainly that's not an encouraging development for him, and I, I think you got to start looking into, I think, probably Dylan Batanzas, although I don't think you can entirely count out Zach Britton or David Robertson, but Batanzas has been the best of the rest in that bullpen. And he's been used fairly consistently in that eighth inning setup role. So all that, to me, would point to uh, Batances getting saves if Chapman's out for a while. And Chapman is getting an MRI done. So I, I would think, at least for a couple of games, he's not going to be available. And I suspect maybe even longer. Also, on Tuesday, A.J. Hinch announced that Hector Rondon was being pulled from the closers role. And it was going to be going to Roberto Ozuna. Uh, I've talked on the show about Rondon really struggling over the last several weeks, not getting swings and misses, having a couple blown saves recently. So this is not not a huge surprise. In fact, it seemed almost sort of inevitable. So the surprise, the twist of this story is that in uh, the the game on Tuesday night between uh, the Astros and the Mariners, a tight game, a 3-2 game, that it was Ozuna pitching in the eighth inning and ultimately was Rondon again in the ninth, and Rondon did, did just fine. Fine, and got the save where Ozuna actually did struggle a little bit in the eighth inning. Uh, but Hinch uh, discussed it after the game and had said that uh, while he is going to use Ozuna as his primary closer, that Rondon, uh, you know, could be used occasionally for saves. And again, this is fairly consistent with Hinch's pattern. He had Ozuna warming up in the seventh inning because you had the Mariners top of the lineup coming up. And so you want Ozuna to be prepared in case, uh, you know, there was a difficult situation there. So since he was already warmed up, he got the eighth inning. So I think you could see some fluidity like that. But I think based on the statements anyways from A.J. Hinch, we should expect Ozuna to get the bulk of the save opportunities going forward, which means if you're in a deeper league, maybe you hang on to, to Rondon not only for that occasional save opportunity, but to be there as the fallback in case Ozuna does struggle. But that's the situation right now with that Astros bullpen. But again, the bulk of the relief innings on Tuesday went to Framber Valdez, who just got called up from Fresno earlier in the day. And really nice game for him. Just a couple of of singles and a walk. Uh, I think it was four strikeouts for Valdez. And... Um, one of the Astros beat writers, Jake Kaplan of The Athletic, was speculating that maybe, uh, you know, there, there's still that fifth rotation spot that's open that was filled by uh, Peacock in, in this particular game. That maybe next time it's Valdez who gets an actual start and being more stretched out. You know, maybe he could even go five or six innings. So that's something to be aware of. I don't know that there's really much of a long-term role for Valdez this season, but worth keeping an eye on. And uh, lots of other bullpen stuff going on. Kelvin Herrera was activated on Tuesday, and then he actually got in a game for the Nationals. Looked like it was going to be a safe situation, but they tacked on some runs late in the game. So turned out to be a non, uh, non-save non ninth inning situation for Kelvin Herrera, and uh, he was good. Uh, so he is back as the Nationals' closer. Carlos Martinez was activated also on Tuesday, and he too pitched on Tuesday. 
uh, brought in in the seventh uh, inning with two outs and then pitched the eighth, in getting a hold. A uh, little control was a little bit shaky for Carlos Martinez, but the the real scary part of that was uh, he got hit by a Jock Peterson comeback liner uh, going at 110 miles an hour. Carmart turns out uh, looks like he's going to be fine though. Uh, X-rays came back negative for him uh, on his torso where he got hit. So uh, hopefully all is well for Carlos Martinez, who uh, granted uh, probably was pushed into higher leverage duty than maybe Mike Schilt was planning on because uh, I don't think either Dakota Hudson or Jordan Hicks was available on Tuesday night, but it does show that there's a willingness there to use Martinez in those roles. AJ Minter, he was unavailable again. Uh, it was there was no safe situation for the Braves, so it wound up being moot. But Minter wouldn't have been available due to his uh, back issues, and he may be available Wednesday night. But if he is not, if uh, he is unavailable yet for another night, then the Braves will uh, consider possibly putting him on the disabled list. And then you have a bit of a conundrum in terms of who to speculate on there. Uh, Rodas Viscano is working his way back, but in the shorter term, could be Dan Winkler, uh, could be Jesse Biddle, maybe. um, So kind of hard to tell. It was Winkler who got the save on Monday. uh, So maybe he gets a little bit of the edge there. So uh, let's just check it. We've got one game in progress here. And as I started the show, there was actually a no-hitter going on. Uh, by the way, we have three games in progress now because uh, Reds Brewers just started, as did uh, Twins White Sox. But this uh, Orioles uh, Blue Jays game is now already in the bottom of the seventh. And I realize you're listening to this on demand, so you probably already know what happened here. But uh, Thomas Pannone had a no-hitter going well into this game. And uh, now he has given up a hit, so no uh, no hit bid for uh, Pannone. But uh, just the one hit through seven innings. And let's see, he has thrown 108 pitches. So, yeah, I think he's got to be done. But uh, also a nice start for Davis, David Hess, who is still pitching in the seventh inning. And uh, he's just allowed one run on three hits so far. So not necessarily the pitcher's duel that you were expecting, but a couple pitchers doing well here on a Wednesday afternoon. But uh, let's go back and take a look at some of the big-name rookie uh, prospect pitchers that have pitched so far this week. So on Monday's show, I talked quite a bit about Michael Kopech and his anticipated debut on Tuesday. Also, Steven Gonzalez, uh, who pitched on Monday. One prospect who did pitch, who at the time of Monday's show, if my memory's serving me right here, uh, that wasn't even announced as a starter yet, was Bryce Wilson for the Braves. He had a really nice start on Monday. Five scoreless innings. Control was a bit of a problem for him. and uh, Did walk three batters through something like 32% of his pitches in the strike zone. Uh, but did get five, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, let me make sure I'm, yeah, did get five Ks in five innings against the Pirates. He was sent back down, so just up there to give the rest of the rotation uh, an, an extra day off. But certainly, uh, you know, a 20-year-old, a 20-year-old prospect uh, to uh, have on your radar if he's not there yet. And I'm guessing he's already there. Uh, so on Monday, Gonzalez did not go well for him at all. Didn't even finish the second inning. Uh, gave up six hits, uh, four runs, uh, three strikeouts, two walks, and just one and one-third inning. So only got four outs against the White Sox. Uh, granted, their, their you know weather could have been an issue. 
Uh, there was a delay in that game. Maybe that threw him off. But by the same token, the other starting pitcher, Lucas Giolito, did just fine. He had another good start, Giolito, uh, who's really been on a roll lately. Uh, but then moving ahead to Tuesday, we had that, that uh, Kopech debut. And unfortunately, weather again was an issue for the White Sox and Twins. So Kopech only pitched two innings, but you got you have to like what you saw there. Four strikeouts, no walks, no runs, just three hits. And man, that fastball's just got some kind of movement. Uh, he did throw a ton of fastballs. In fact, of his 52 pitches, only 11 were secondary pitches. So uh, those look pretty good too. But uh, 41 fastballs, and on those 41 fastballs, an average spin rate of 2,615 RPMs. And to put that in some perspective for you, Justin Verlander, by far, has the highest spin rate of any pitcher who's thrown at least 1,000 fastballs so far this year. By far. I think by like a a margin of maybe more than 200 RPMs. Uh, So... Verlander's RPM, average RPM on uh, his fastball four-seamer is 2,613 RPMs. And Kopech averaged 2,615. <laughs> so a Verlander-like performance uh, in just two innings, granted. But those two innings, he threw a lot of fastballs. So that was pretty encouraging uh, for Kopech. But also, uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon talked about him on Monday's show. He did make a start uh, on Tuesday against the Dodgers. Pretty good, pretty good start for uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon. Uh, probably the worst part of it was that he only lasted four innings through 90 pitches, and I believe it was the second inning, I want to say, where uh, he did, was in there for, for quite a while, uh, largely because of the defensive misadventures of Tyler O'Neill, where he and Colton Wong uh, had a near collision and uh, a couple of misplayed balls, so uh, not entirely of his making. Uh, but one of the things I said about Ponce de Leon on Monday's show, uh, yeah, it was on Monday's show, because uh, yeah, Matt Modica was here, and I was saying to him, I don't really count on Ponce de Leon for strikeouts. He's really he's been pretty good, but really doing it more with soft contact. But he got the strikeouts uh, on Tuesday, uh, eight of them against the Dodgers, just one walk, one run, five hits. And again, I think one, one or two of those hits, uh, not entirely Ponce de Leon's fault. So a pretty encouraging outing, uh, although it did work up in the zone a lot. So a lot of fly balls uh, for Ponce de Leon. That's something that's also a bit of a concern for me. But, you know, overall, between him and Kopech and, and Bryce Wilson, some pretty exciting performances uh, from some, uh, some rookie pitchers there. Uh, and uh, just to get to a few other pitchers, uh, Kevin Gosman, maybe benefiting from that extra day of rest provided by Bryce Wilson. Uh, Really a third consecutive, really good start for him uh, for the Braves. This was his fourth start overall. The first one was not bad, but sort of meh. Last three have been very good for Gosman. Uh, This one, eight scoreless innings against the Pirates, four hits, two walks, five strikeouts, not real big on the strikeouts. Uh, It's really, it's sort of hard to pinpoint exactly what's been different for Gosman. In fact, I did write about this for Rotographs, on Tuesday, uh, just a few hours before his start against the Pirates. And the one thing that I could pinpoint that was really different for Gosman uh, in the first two starts was that he was freezing a lot of batters, got a lot of uh, called strikes. I think between those two starts, he had, uh, I think it was a 22% called strike rate, whereas something more like 17% is is the norm. So 
that's really was really good and encouraging. But those two starts, again, I'm not talking about Tuesday strike against the Pirates, but the two before that were against the Brewers and the Marlins. And those are both teams that are not very aggressive, don't swing a lot, even at pitches that are in the zone. So that looked like maybe it was was matchup-based. Uh, and then sure enough, against the Pirates, a more aggressive team, only 17 called strikes in 103 pitches. In other words, pretty much major league average rate. Uh, so that you know, I find that interesting because that's the one thing that sort of stood out during this three-game span where he's given up a total of three runs in 22 innings. So... Uh, I'm not really buying into this for Gosman, I got to say, because anywhere else you look, the batted ball profile, the plate discipline profile, uh, the, the the pitch mix, the pitch velocities, nothing's all that different for Kevin Gosman. So, you know, I will say certainly moving from the Orioles and in the AL East to the Braves in the, in the NL East, I mean, I think that's going to help Gosman. I think maybe going forward, he's not that you know, 4.00, 4.10 ERA pitcher that he had been very consistently for uh, for the Orioles the last few years. Uh, I think, you know, maybe he's going to be more of like a 3.6, 3.7 ERA pitcher, which has its uses in fantasy, particularly in two start weeks. But I'm not sure he's really skill-wise done anything differently in his four starts as an Atlanta Brave. So um, we'll see with the next start. Jose Barrios was also a pitcher I wrote about on Tuesday, and he had a very interesting start, too. Now, unlike uh, Michael Kopech, Barrios came back after a rain delay and fortunately didn't, didn't seem to affect him. A good start for Brios, only five innings, but two runs on four hits and a walk with four strikeouts. He is coming. He was coming off of two very poor starts, uh, but really only one of them, again, digging underneath, looking underneath the hood, only the first of those two bad starts preceding this one against the White Sox was really troubling. Uh, it was against the Indians. His control was pretty much non-existent, and yet he still gave up a ton of hard contact. But uh, then in the following start, just looked like maybe some bad luck on balls in play because really uh, there, there was nothing that the control was, was back to normal. Uh, against uh, the White Sox, his control was, was very good. So... Uh, you know, that was fine. The uh, batted ball profile looked good for Barrios in those last couple starts. So I think he's fine and safe to start going forward. And in fact, in the piece, now his next start is against the A's this weekend, which is a little a little bit of a dicey matchup. But I, I think Barrios has been good enough that he can handle it. The only start, or I should say potential start, since it's hard to project going forward, but the only potential start that Brios had that that I think maybe you would consider sitting him for is uh, against the Yankees in September. So I would just put the, those two bad starts behind him and uh, make him close to a must-start guy going forward. So uh, just a, a couple of hitters to wind up with here. Uh, and uh, I think we'll, we'll uh, call it a, a show uh, after talking about a couple of hitters here. Uh, Kedris Morales. Well, first of all, when uh, this uh, game that's in progress, Blue Jays and Orioles, the, uh, early on there had been only one hit, and there's still only five hits in this game right now. But he had the first hit in the game, Kendris Morales. So 
Uh, and now he's got two. He's got uh, two of the three hits for the Blue Jays and two of the five hits in this ball game. So Kendris Morales has been uh, red hot. And actually, I'm looking now. That second hit for Morales, guess what? Home run. <laughs> so now um, Kendris Morales has five home runs in his last four games. And coming into this game on Wednesday, he was 11 for 19 in his previous six games. So Morales is red hot right now, had a three-hit game against the Orioles on Tuesday. But also another Blue Jay not to overlook is Billy McKinney uh, because he seems to be taking playing time away from uh, Teoscar Hernandez. And McKinney has been uh, red hot as well. Now he's led off in this game on Wednesday and does not yet have a hit. And Hernandez is in the lineup as well. Uh, But Billy McKinney getting some playing time here and heading into uh, this game. uh, Since his most recent call-up, he was 5 for 11. And on Tuesday, he was 2 for 3 with a home run and a walk. So Billy McKinney somebody, maybe particularly in deeper leagues right now, to keep an eye on. So uh, that's all I got for, uh, for this particular show. But I will be back on Friday. So just to remind you, if you haven't listened for a while, we are podcast only right now. uh, And we are on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So look for the show uh, wherever you download your podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in. And on Friday, I'll be here with Steve Gardner. That's going to be awesome. So uh, have a great one, everybody. And I'll be back here on Friday. Does your fantasy team suck? Maybe you need us. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The only free 24-7 fantasy sports radio network.